Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. During my decades of teaching Sunday School, the one request that I've never received from anybody in any of my classes has been, Mike, can we have some more lessons on the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation is a difficult book to study. It's a book that has confounded, confused, made, been very difficult for biblical scholars ever since it was written, pretty much. But also, the book of Revelation, the final book of the Christian Bible, also has proven to be a source of enormous inspiration and comfort to Christians throughout the centuries. It was written at a particularly difficult time for the church. It was written probably between 60 and 100 AD, during the days of the Roman Empire, Nero uh, being one of the more famous emperors, who very seriously persecuted Christians. We've heard the stories of Christians being torn apart by lions in the Colosseum, uh, the various executions. It was a very, very tough time, and Christians felt very powerless at that time, as Frankly, we have throughout the centuries in various times of history where Christians have been a persecuted population. But think back again to the first century and those Christians who felt like, well, they're up against a foe that cannot be beaten. The Roman Empire at this time was the greatest power on earth. They controlled the life and death of millions of people. They were in complete control. They had the army, they had the economy, they had the means of transportation. They had all of these things that gave them great power. The church was composed of people, average, ordinary people, who really uh, had no say in the running of their government. They were powerless to make any real contribution or change in the way the world treated them. All they had was the love that they shared among themselves, and, of course, they could rely on the power of God. And that's where the book of Revelation really comes in. The book of Revelation is written as a book of encouragement. It's written as a book to remind the Christians that they're on the winning team. Many of our Sunday school lessons, uh, I've taught Revelation several times in the Genesis class, and one of my uh, friends in the class, Dan Brown, would always remind me that the theme of the book of Revelation is really quite simple. Uh, he had heard some great lectures on this book, and the lecturer made the point that really the, the message of the book, when you boil it down, take away the multi-eyed monsters and things like that, the message of the book is that God is going to win. Good defeats evil, and the Christians are on the right side, so that even though they're facing persecution, even though the world seems to have all the power, all the authority over them, in the end, God is going to be triumphant, and those who are Christians will also be triumphant. So much of what the book of Revelation is about tells us this. Part of the confusion about the book, part of the, the imagery that makes it difficult for us to understand and read, is the fact that it was written in a way that the Romans wouldn't understand it. Now, the Roman government wasn't stupid. They would not have let a book be circulated that told people that they were going to lose, that they were going to fall apart as an empire. They were very keen on holding on to their power and authority. But by casting Babylon as the enemy, 
instead of the name Rome. And by talking about the uh, Antichrist, the monsters, when really perhaps we believe that the author was talking about the Roman authorities, uh, Nero being one of them there. He may have been the original Antichrist. That gave the Christians a way of passing the book around. And certainly, in the millennia that have followed, we've found plenty of enemies to the Christian church that we have basically uh, put in as the Antichrist, the thing that is going to stand up and is going to be the opposition to the Christian. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the book has continued to give so much comfort to Christians over the millennia. So today we're going to look at the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, and we're concerned really with the idea of worship, because what's going on in heaven? What's taking place in heaven? Well, during the days of the Roman Empire, and oftentimes we as Christians believe it still is happening today, God seems to be a long way away from where we are. The power of heaven, the glory of heaven, is a long way away from us when we are living through difficult, tough times, when we're living in poverty or persecution, as the early Christians were. So they had to imagine, well, what is God doing? What, what's up with God? Why isn't God here taking care of us? Well, part of the description we're going to see here describes God on God's throne in heaven, but also reminding us that God is very much aware. God sees what is happening and is still part of what we are as Christians. We're going to begin reading fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. The author of the book, who identifies himself as John on the Isle of Patmos, is in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. And the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, we have the messages that John is to send to the various churches uh, that were in existence. And these were uh, practical advice to uh, basically be better Christians, be better churches, etc. At this time, the book is making a change. Now the author is looking up and sees a chance to actually go into heaven. And the place he's going to enter is going to be the throne room of God, the voice we believe to be the voice of Jesus here. It's in red ink in my Bible, so that means we believe it's the voice of Jesus. It says, I'm going to show you what must take place after this. So it is going to be a revelation that's going to be a prophecy. It's going to tell us about the future. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Now remember the Jews were told never to paint a picture of God. They were to make no graven images of anything, especially not God. So the writer of the book of Revelation, John, is uh, fairly indirect in, in how he describes things. and So he doesn't even try to describe what God looks like. But the someone sitting on the throne of God is indeed God. There's no question about that. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald, encircled the throne. So again, we don't get a direct 
image of the face of God, the color of his hair, but we're given the idea of these beautiful jewels and the brightness, the, the colorfulness of them. That's really the only physical description John is going to give us. And the rainbow that's behind the throne looks like an emerald. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. Now, who are these elders? Well, many commentators believe that the 24 represent the 12 tribes of Israel, as well as the 12 apostles. And later, when we talk about the new heaven and the new Jerusalem, we'll see uh, that that probably uh, leads to, to a pretty good conclusion. So the 24 elders really represent all of humankind and those people who are devoted to following God. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, certain colors, just like certain numbers, are symbolic and very important in the book of Revelation. The color white represents purity, holiness, and power. So these are the ones who have conquered. These are the ones who represent the best of humankind. They have achieved what we were supposed to do, and, and they've received crowns of gold. And once again, precious metals also very symbolic in the book of Revelation. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. So there's lightning, there's thunder, there's earthquake, there, there's the sense of power that God has. This again to remind the Christians who themselves felt powerless that the God they're worshiping is a God of power and might. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, in front and in back. Now, eyes are very symbolic as well in the book of Revelation. They represent knowledge, wisdom. They represent the eyes of God. God is very well aware of what's happening because God has these creatures around him day and night who are seeing things, knowing things. And the four creatures themselves, some Bible commentators say, may actually come from some of the ideas of the cherubim that the Jews had picked up during their Babylonian captivity. That was part of the, uh, the theology of the uh, people in Babylon. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Now, while the eyes symbolize wisdom and knowledge, the wings represent the ability to travel, to be uh, in motion for God, to be God's representatives, to, to carry that power throughout the, the world and the universe. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we have the God of eternity, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. This part of the worship reminds 
the people who are worshiping the creatures as well as the elders that God is in charge, God has been in charge, and God will continue to be in charge. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits in the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him and who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they are being created and have their being. The point, the end point of, of this particular section here of the book of Revelation, the purpose for the elders being there, the ones who have lived through the world, who have conquered and who are now in these positions of authority, who have crowns themselves, are to submit those crowns, their symbols of authority, to God to show that he has the final authority, that this is the end of the uh, chain, basically, and this is how it happens. Um, in the King James Bible, we see that the kings are casting their crowns, which always seem to me to be kind of a random act, to throw a crown around. I really like the way the NIV translates it here, that they are laying the crowns before God. That is more of a way of, of honoring God by presenting to him this physical uh, symbol. When we think about kings today and the idea kings and queens, the, the royalty. We on earth, uh, for many centuries, had the belief that uh, the royal powers, the earthly powers, received their authority from God, that God appointed the kings and queens of the various countries. And so these crowns symbolized that power given to them by the divine authority. And now, in this case, it is being given back to God and symbolically by showing them these crowns. So we have this amazing vision. And by the way, a lot of these symbols are not unique to Revelation. The, the uh, Jews who became Christians would have been very familiar uh, if they had studied the book of Ezekiel, Daniel, parts of Isaiah. A lot of these symbols have already been used, and so this is part of it. Plus a lot of the other religions from which people uh, came from when, when they were converting to Christianity, also had a lot of these kind of symbolic things surrounding their deities. And so that's another reason why the book probably gave a lot of comfort, especially in those early centuries, because it reminded the people that God is, God is this powerful being who has given them life, and who sustains them, even in the darkest time. And again, why this book continues to give Christians today a lot of comfort. Because again, when times get tough, we sometimes wonder, has God turned God's back on us? Does God even care that I'm going through this miserable time, or have, have this terrible thing happen to me? The answer according to the author John here, would be that, yes, God is in command, God is still there, and in the end, God is going to conquer the evil, the bad things that have 
taken over our lives that seem to control us, that make us feel powerless, and it's through God's power that we too will have that comfort. Let's conclude with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the book of Revelation. Even though it may be a tough study sometimes, it, it may confuse us, it may be difficult for us to understand what's going on, we do know that it tells us of your love, your honor, your power. It tells us that you still care for us and that we are still part of your winning team. Help us to share this message of victory with those around us this week. In Christ's name, amen.